The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, May 21st, the graduation-ish edition. I'm Dan Kois. I'm a writer at Slate and the author of the book, How to Be a Family. I'm the dad of Lyra, who's 15, and Harper, who's 12. We are currently holed up in Arlington, Virginia. I'm Jamila Lemieux. I'm a writer, cultural critic, and communications consultant, as well as mom to Naima, who is seven, and we live in Los Angeles, California. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three boys, Henry, eight, Oliver, six, and Teddy, three. And I'm uh, in Navarre, Florida. Forever. Forever. (laughs) No, probably not, but (laughs) for now. (laughs) Yeah. This week, we're answering a listener question from a mom whose graduating senior put the kibosh on any kind of at-home celebration. If you've got a graduating senior, they might want to listen to our first segment with you. We're also answering a question from a mom who wants to change her son's name, especially since his name sounds like an extremely rude word, a level eight rude word. So maybe definitely have your graduating senior listen to that if they want to hear a very rude word. As always, we have triumphs and fails and recommendations. Jamila, let's start with triumphs and fails, and let's start with you. Do you have a triumph or fail for us this week? Oh, yes. I have a breaking news triumph that just happened in the last two hours. And no, it's not a car purchase that went awry. Um, But (laughs) we're still working on it. We're still working on it. We're moving. We're moving. So I made some brownies that a couple of my friends, the Chris's, who have a Instagram live show called Quarantine with the Chris's, made on their show that there's no flour. It's like peanut butter. You know that peanut butter cookie recipe that we all made growing up? It's kind of similar in composition to that, which is very easy to make. Despite it being very easy to make, I did make a mistake because it's either black seed and water or an egg, and I put both. But nevertheless, they came out okay, and I sent some to Naima's dad's house so that she could share them with her little brother. And I got a text from him. Naima's little brother is five. I'm on a group chat with Naima's tablet and her brother's tablet. And it says, okay, so for context, Naima's brother is a child of few words when it comes to me. He politely tolerates me. He's always been, for the most part, kind. And I've babysat him and, you know, we've gone places together. But ultimately, I do think that he associates me with taking his sister away, you know, at times. So, Mm -hmm. like, when I have her, he doesn't. So I totally get it. So I just do my best to be warm and friendly. And anyway, so he sends me the sweetest text that says, I love the brownies. It's really, really good food. Really, really good food. Aww. That's so cute. The way even to a little man's heart is through his stomach. <laughs> it is. I smiled so big, like it made my day. So it was the most delightful text from the cutest, sweetest little boy. And it made my day. Not to be outdone, Naima did have to respond, of course. And I said, I'm glad you like them, sweetie. I'll make them for you anytime. And so Naima replies, and I don't know to whom she's speaking, are you going to thank me too? And then she's got some sort of little cat gift that says, like a boss. And then Rihanna <laughs> clapping and chewing gum on the couch of like Jimmy Kimmel. And then an audio message. I'm so glad you liked the brownies. Maybe we could bake something together. I love you Love you too, mommy. Fostering relationships from family to family. Great job. I like it. Bringing everyone together. (laughs) All right. Excellent triumph, Jamila. Elizabeth, what about you? Triumph or fail? Fail. The 
three-year-old, Teddy, is just being three, and I have <laughs> had enough. The recent thing that I think is really getting to me is that whenever I accuse him of something or point out something that he has done, he just says basically like, no, you did it, but with like specificity. So I say like, Teddy, you made a mess. And he's like, no, you threw your clothes on the floor. And I'm like, Teddy, are you like you peed not on the toilet? And he's like, no, you were playing around and peed all over the bathroom. (laughs) like no so he's also decided that should I then engage any further he's just gonna burn it down so Uh um just like rage tipping over chairs throwing things and then he just looks and says the virus did it and just like walks out and I am just like honestly you know I know this is like (laughs) we're in we're he's like three and a half we're at kind of the final stages of three we've just like had too much time in the house together and I have two other children who have their own issues and I just like don't have time so I'm 100% to blame for this because I'm just like do you want your iPad do you want to just he likes to use his iPad in my closet um Mm -hmm. like in this back corner I don't know why but I'm like do you want to take your iPad and go to the closet because that would be preferable to me and he's like yeah thanks and then he just takes it and goes away so of course the behavior is continuing so I decided last night that I had had enough and that instead that when he did this, he was just going to hold my hand until he could get his act together. And this is the worst thing ever. Like now I'm strapped of my own accord. I'm like strapped to this kid that just is blaming me for everything and throwing everything. I'm just over it. But anyway, I have to just write it out because I don't know what else to do. You might as well have handcuffed yourself to a bomb. Yeah. Like why did yeah. you? It, it was the worst decision. I mean, he really <laughs> hates it. But he also likes spending time with me. So it's kind of like perfect because he does calm down. But yes, now I like have this kid, like I've made him be with me, but he also is trying to just destroy me and blame me for everything. But I mean, ultimately, the virus is to blame. So yeah, I think this is a real fail on the part of the virus. <sighs> yeah, exactly. It's peeing all over your yeah. bathroom. You know what? No, you peed all over the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The virus has to be Teddy's nickname, like for life. Like when he plays high school football and he like catches an interception or whatever it's called, they're like, all right, the virus. I'm going to bring it back around and call him the virus. Virus kills hundreds of thousands, comma. He's the virus. He's on bathroom floor. (laughs) Be sure he sees the newspaper every day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I will. Uh, My fail this week is that I've just completely and absolutely stopped reading any emails from teachers. Like Monday morning, we got, I assume, very thoughtful messages from Harper's science teacher, Harper's Spanish teacher, Lyra's math teacher, and Harper's English teacher. And I just archived them all. I sent them straight to archive in Gmail. Didn't even open them. And all these teachers are working so hard and they are doing their best. And I just hope that some parent somewhere is reading their emails and appreciating them. Teachers, I love you. I appreciate you. But I'm not reading your emails anymore. I'm sorry. (laughs) But hopefully someone's reading them, right? That is so many people. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yes. Well, that's, you see perhaps why this situation has arisen. They're just very conscientious. (laughs) I think in part, 
because they're very conscientious teachers, of course, but also they're conscientious <sighs> because there is like a subset of the Arlington parent population that has been on them for weeks. Like, what is my child doing this week? What are they learning? Why, you make sure that we're getting everything out of this education. Whereas we don't feel like that at all. The school year is over as far as we're concerned. It's your turn to keep them alive for eight hours. Right. Like. That's basically it. And our kids are actually doing some homework, which is great, but it's completely self-driven. And, you know, we're not checking it. There are no grades at this point. Their grades are set in stone. So I am so glad that these teachers are this committed. I feel slightly bad for them because I do think a lot of it is sort of like theater for the subset of parents who demand this kind of thing. Yeah. But like, I'm just not reading them anymore. And I definitely feel like a real free song of like, wow, this is like, I could not be more neglectful of my child's education. Yeah. But that's just where we're at. I'm confused why it's a failure though. Cause like it's, a success for doing what you need to do and you're handling the stuff with your kids. Yes. I feel bad that they're putting in this effort. Like when I do my job and I send things out into the world, I want people to pay attention to them and for the work I have done to be respected. I'm definitely not respecting the work that these teachers are putting in. Right. Are these individualized emails? No, if they were like, oh, dear Dan, no, I would at least like, skim dear it. Dan, please. No, these are the emails that they sent out to all no. the students in their, you know, seventh grade English class. The grades are already set in stone. So yeah. what the lesson that your kids are learning is that if the homework doesn't count towards your grade, it doesn't matter. I mean, they definitely knew that. I think they're just learning. It's okay to say, I don't need any more information. Fine. <laughs> like, I'm, we're I'm good. Capacity. <laughs> capacity. No, I mean, I think we could all use a lesson in that. Elizabeth, we purvey information. I don't think we want to give our listeners any yeah. ideas. <laughs> but, you know, I can. you can give someone permission to, to turn it off for a bit. And listeners, you do it. not have permission to turn this podcast off. <laughs> By law, you are required to listen <laughs> to the end <laughs> and patronize our advertisers. Yes. All right, let's move on to the business. Hey, why don't you sign up for Slate's Parenting Newsletter? It is the best place to hear about all our parenting content as it comes out, including this very podcast, Karen Feeding with Jamila and other Karen Feeding stars, and much, much more. Plus, it's just an email from me every week, although for the last month it's been from other people. But it's been even better when it's not been from me. So anyway, sign up at slate.com slash parenting email. Also, join us on Facebook. Just search for Slate Parenting on that very platform. It is a really fun and active community. Lots of great questions, lots of great answers, lots of inspiring debates, lots of people getting banned if they're rude. Actually, not that many people. But anyways, it's very under control and very friendly. We like it a lot. Join up. Plus, on Facebook, every Tuesday at 11 Eastern, we have a live Karen feeding show with the one and only Nicole Cliff. She is extremely good at taking your questions, giving you really useful, funny answers, and also having impeccable hair. Catch it live every Tuesday at 11 on Slate's Facebook page. We'll also put it up on the Slate Parenting page, and you can find previous episodes on Slate's YouTube page. Finally, before we tell you about Slate Plus, here at Mom and Dad Are Fighting, we really want your feedback. So for the last couple of months, we've had a family-friendly segment called Everyone is Fighting Now. We want to know if you like the segment. Do you listen to it? Do you listen to it with your kids? If so, what would you like to hear on the segment next? Or do you hate the segment? By all means, let us know about that too. We'll have a very quick survey in our show notes, and we'll also post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. 
in Slate Plus today. We are joined by beloved former mom and dad co-host Allison Benedict. Rest in peace for a tale about how nature is healing and we are the virus. It includes wild raccoons, animal control, and singing in the shower. Here's a quick sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. And I come out and John says... Honey, I have dinner on the stove, so you either have to watch this raccoon or finish cooking, which, if you know me, is a real Sophie's choice. <laughs> so, this is absolutely Sophie's choice, too, yeah. Yeah, I choose raccoon. To hear segments like that and get ad-free podcasts, sign up for Slate Plus. It's just $35 for your first year, and we really need your help. As you may have heard, a lot of media companies are struggling right now, and Slate is no exception. We haven't had to lay anyone off, but we are seeing a lot of reductions across the board, and we really need reader and listener support more than ever. So... Sign up for Slate Plus. Besides ad-free podcasts, Slate Plus members won't hit a paywall on the site so you can read and listen to all of our journalism without worrying about reaching some kind of limit. So support mom and dad are fighting. Go to slate.com slash mom and dad plus and join Slate Plus today. What's up, sandwich heads? Today on Steve O's Sandwich Reviews, we've got the tips and tricks to the best sandwich order. And it all starts with this little guy right here. Pepsi Zero Sugar. Partial to pastrami, craving a Cubano. Yeah, sounds delicious, but boom! Add the crisp, refreshing taste of Pepsi Zero Sugar and cue the fireworks. Lunch, dinner, or late night, it'll be a sandwich worth celebrating. Trust me, your boy's eaten a lot of sandwiches in his day, and the one thing I can say with absolute fact, every bite is better with Pepsi. All right, on to this week's first listener question. It's being read by the one, the only, Shasha Leonard. Dear Mom and Dad are fighting. My son is graduating from high school this week. It's been a long, hard road for him, and for us, the past four years, with mental health challenges, multiple school changes, and academic roller coaster. I'm incredibly proud of him. He's overcome a lot to succeed. Of course, we're all sad he doesn't get to walk across the lawn and get handed his diploma in front of his grandparents and us and his friends. But he's taking the cancellation of graduation very badly and flat-out refuses to replace it with anything else. Meanwhile, I want to commemorate his accomplishment as a family, but whenever I mention an idea, something simple like a catered lunch for the family and Zooming with his friends, something silly like having a local kid play Pomp and Circumstance on the trumpet outside our house, he rejects it. No way. I don't want to do anything. His grandparents sent him a big congratulations banner, and he has forbid me from displaying it outside. I know he's disappointed, but I think he'll regret it in the long run if he doesn't celebrate his graduation at all. And I think everyone in the family, including his younger siblings, who have gone through the ringer along with him, and are so proud of him too, deserve the chance to honor him and all he's done. How do I balance my desire to salute my son with his refusal to be saluted? I think it is important to decide how much of this is about you and how much of this is about your senior, because obviously like you've invested a lot and your family has invested a lot and graduation is not just about the senior. It's also about, you know, you and your family, but it sounds like to me that the senior really doesn't want to celebrate or deal with this right now. And I think kind of given the climate that that's okay. I, a few weeks ago, I recommended the book, The Rabbit Listened. And I just really come back to that, that this senior is dealing with something and is saying to you, like, I don't want to deal with this right now. 
And I think it's okay to just kind of listen and let them have that time. Like because the graduation is delayed, you can celebrate this at any time. So you're not missing some graduation ceremony that's happening. If in a month he decides he's ready to celebrate it, you can celebrate it then. If, you know, he heads off to school or whatever is next and he wants to celebrate it at that point or the celebration is this heading off to do this, I think that's okay too. I just really think that when your child is communicating with you that they are struggling and that they are going through this, it is important that you listen and that your actions, you know, mirror that you're listening, that you hear that this is something that's difficult. That being said, I also do see that it's like a family celebration and people want to celebrate him. And I think continuing to say, we are excited for you and we want to celebrate this. And as a result, I'm going to have this dinner or I'm going to do this thing. And this doesn't necessarily have to be about you, but it's going to be about this moment that the whole family got through. And I would like you to partake in that. I think that is a way to honor maybe what you need. Maybe you and your partner or whoever else, your parents need to, you know, order in a special dinner for yourself. I don't know, something to celebrate that you got through this because you're at the point that you're ready to celebrate this and he's just not. So I don't know. I think it's, it's a time in which there's so much to process and forcing someone to do something that they don't want because you're scared that later down the line, they will wish they had celebrated it. I feel like at that moment, you can celebrate it. We're not on anybody else's timeline right now. Just sit tight and hang in there and just try to let them know that you're there. Like this is clearly something very difficult. So the best thing you can do is to listen and and be ready to move through those stages with him. But I don't know, Jamila, what do you think? I agree with essentially with what you said, Elizabeth, but I also just want to add, I'd imagine that this is a bigger deal, perhaps to your son than it is for a lot of kids that are, you know, missing their graduations this year, because it sounds like his wasn't necessarily guaranteed, you know, or that it could have easily perhaps taken an extra year or a non-traditional route. And so not having that moment may mean something to him uh, a bit more profound than perhaps you've considered, or if not that, just, I think it's possible that having a Zoom celebration of some sort would, as opposed to giving him an opportunity to celebrate, would get, force him to confront the fact that he's not able to celebrate in the way that he'd wanted to. And so with that, what are the things that do bring your son joy? You know, like what might make him feel good. And even if it doesn't necessarily directly connect to the graduation or feel like a traditional graduation celebration, it could be a present. It could be a video gaming system or, you know, a a plane ticket to somewhere that he wants to go when he's able to do that or a book or something that just something that it's not about the price, but that it has some significance to him, right? That it will make him happy. The sort of thing that he would want to receive on his birthday or on any bad day. My first instinct was to say you could still mark this occasion as a family with a dinner without making it a big deal. But I also would not want for him to be upset by that and to feel that he wasn't heard when he asked you not to replace the traditional celebration with anything else at all. And so if you want to have a private moment with the other members of the family, siblings and grandparents who help to support you all during this, if it's an email thread with the grandparents who just saying it on a call, thank you for all your help and sending them a card, marking the moment. If it's giving the other siblings a, a big hug and reflecting on how proud we are 
and presenting him perhaps just with cards that express those sentiments as opposed to making it a physical moment that he has to deal with, I think that may go a long way in terms of both affirming your need to celebrate the moment and his request not to. The written idea. I don't, you just said that. I think that's so like timeless. That's great. Yeah. And something he can look back on later when, you know, he's distant from the pain of the loss and can perhaps then process the weight of the accomplishment. I'm excited to strongly disagree with both of you. (laughs) I think this senior can suck it up. I think that he's very disappointed, as is nearly every senior in America. I also think that to completely reject out of hand any acknowledgement of your accomplishment and your family's sincere desire to celebrate this with you, I think that it's not unreasonable to ask this kid to get over it a little bit. You know, it was interesting to me what, what you said Elizabeth about, well, how much of this is for you and how much of it is for him. As you said, graduations in general are not only for the graduates, right? If if he was on that lawn, if coronavirus had never happened and he was on that lawn, that wouldn't just be for him. That would be for the grandparents and the parents and everyone who came there and who had accomplished this along with him as well. And so I think that dividing it strictly in that way doesn't quite track for me. Or rather, I think that it's okay for you to understand, letter writer, that this is about you in a way, but that also that is not disqualifying. Just because it is for you does not mean I think that it is wrong for you to ask for it from your senior. I think that if you're smart, which I'm sure you are, you will steer away from the stuff that is going to read as particularly corny to a graduating high school senior, the stuff that attempts to ape or model the or replicate the trappings of a traditional graduation, like the trumpet player playing pop and circumstance outside, or some kind of fake graduation ceremony in your house where, like, you know, you give them a pretend diploma or something. And I think that Jamila and Elizabeth are right that what you should be searching for are things that he will find meaningful and that will make him happy. But I do think that if the question is, do you go along with his desire to just completely ignore it and pretend it's not happening at all? Or do you push him a little bit and say, This is about all of us in the family, and I do think that we should have some kind of formal recognition in our home with our family of what you have done. I think it's okay to push a little bit. And I think that if this graduating senior has been through all the things that this letter suggests he has been through, I think that he hopefully has also learned and achieved the kind of emotional maturity that will allow him in the end to say, yes, I understand that this is important to you. And so we can do some kind of small thing. And I know this isn't that different from the advice you guys are giving, which was to find a small thing that is meaningful to everyone. But I just wanted to validate to some extent this letter writer's feelings that I do think it's okay in a case like this to respect the way your son is feeling and to communicate to him that you respect how he's feeling while also standing up for how you feel and how the other people in the family feel, and pushing a little bit on that front. I'm excited to strongly rebut. Yes. 
under most circumstances, that would be a totally fair take on it because of the mental health challenges about which we don't, we don't know exactly what they are. So there's a full spectrum of issues there could have been, you know, including some that are completely manageable with great ease and, and don't cause an eruption to daily life now, but perhaps were a challenge earlier in his high school career. But if this is somebody who deals with, say, anxiety or deals with depression that isn't treated with medication, you know, and, and this moment could impact his well-being in the short term or his his state of mind beyond just that's not what I wanted and so I'm pissed or I'm annoyed. You know, like it if this is something and, and they know their child, you know, and if they know that this is something that won't be a tremendous offense or trigger to him because Say if this is a young man who suffers from anxiety issues and something that's triggering to him is feeling that he's not been heard, right? And so that sets off an outsized reaction as opposed to a child who dealt with trauma related to an incident that happened and in no way, shape, or form would this moment really intersect with that or bring up anything for him, right? Those are two very different circumstances. So I think with regard to that, that's what gives me pause in saying, just go for it. So I think that, again, I think there's something to be said for hearing him as hard as it would be for me to respect those wishes, uh, especially as somebody who loves to throw celebrations for Naima. And I do understand the importance of the rest of the family getting to celebrate, which is why I do think that there is that bowl of baby bear porridge that's just (laughs) right, perhaps, and Elizabeth's original suggestion, which is to have the dinner. And perhaps you can send dinner to the grandparents, too, that they're also having a special dinner that night. And there doesn't have to be a lot of, you know, no decorations, no big speeches, but just we're raising a glass to you. We're very proud of you. You know, we're thankful that we came together as a family and and we were able to support you through this. And we hope that you're very proud of yourself despite the circumstances and literally aspiring to that sort of brevity and leaving it there, I think could be one way of serving all masters without making him feel upset. That sounds perfect to me. I just feel like sometimes as the parent, it's your job to say, I want this thing and I want to celebrate this, but it's not right for my child. And I, it's, it sucks, but like, I just can really relate, I think, to being in a place where I'm not ready. Like I haven't processed the trauma or the grief and then being forced to show up at something and act like I am excited or happy about this. And I just think a gift that you can give to your child is say, I know this is hard and that you don't want to do this right now. And I'm not going to put you in a situation where you have to pretend that you love this or you're happy about this. And that's my gift to you as your parent, that we don't have to do this right now. And when you are ready, I want to do this with you. And I, I think, Dan, you're suggesting like that there's communication that needs to be involved. And I think that's absolutely true. I do think that the conversation has to be had like, hey, we want to celebrate you because it's also a celebration of us. And when you are ready, we are going to be here for you. And I, I mean, Jamila, when you said the thing about writing letters, I'm like, that's so perfect. Like, Hey, we ordered your favorite food. And even if that goes unsaid, like you love this thing and we're going to do this. And we wrote these letters and when you are ready for them, or even just holding him until he says they're ready, like you can harness that excitement that you have now into something that he can have when he's ready. Because eventually I do think he will be ready at some point he'll be ready or you'll be in a, we'll be in a place where we can celebrate with friends. Cause maybe that's what he's like really mourning. But I just wonder if you haven't like 
thrown salt in the wound by saying like, we need to celebrate this now when, although it is about you, it's also like his loss of this moment or whatever that expectation in his head was. You know, at the end of the day, it feels like we're all kind of on the same page that like everybody, (laughs) like everybody's disappointed and we're trying to make it better. I just think it's important to make sure he feels heard and listened to and to also say like, it's okay to feel this way. I love the idea of thinking of it of if you do delay or if you do decide not to do something now of thinking of it as a gift that you are giving the child, maybe in lieu of an actual physical gift that you have to buy him and spend a lot of money on. So we all had a lot to say about this, um, but we also thought it'd be worth asking some actual high school seniors what they think of this. Maybe they would view it a little more from this graduating senior's perspective. Maybe they would have a totally different opinion from us. So we asked a couple of seniors we knew to call in and give their advice to this letter writer and to their son. Let's hear what they have to say. Hi, I'm Mackenzie. I'm from Sonoya, Georgia. So I think advice I have for other seniors, what I've learned throughout this is that it's okay for you not to be like okay right now. It's it sucks. We've we've lost a lot. And I mean, it's something that most other people have gotten and that we don't get because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Which sucks. And like I understand the people trying to be, you know, reassuring and making us feel better. But, like, what's what's gotten to me is when people are like, this will be a good story someday. Someday it will. But right now, it's what we're living. And we don't, we're not thinking about someday. We're thinking about right now and what we're going through right now. So, like, it's such a weird time to be a senior and going through this really big change in life. You have to give yourself chances to grieve because I, I mean, I still do, but you also have to find a way to occupy your mind so you're not always thinking about it. It is a loss for like parents and you know, the people that have shaped your lives too because you know, they've watched you grow up and it's something that they want to see you do. Like, who doesn't want to walk across the stage? There's very few, few people who don't. And like, who doesn't want to see their kid and the, the child they've watched grow into this person do that? So, like, I understand parents being, like, it's a loss for you, too, and it's something you you can grieve, too. I think wanting to do something about it, it's, it's a good idea, but it's, like, also we're all different, and we all, we're all coping different, and we're all, like, we all have different relationships with high school and different ways that we felt about this graduation and, like, what leading up to it meant. I think it just depends on you, and I think it's a conversation, like, you as a family almost have to have, like, just acknowledge it in the little ways. Like, it doesn't have to be grand. Just acknowledge these achievements in the little ways. Maybe that'll help both parents and the kids who have lost this, like I. I hope that was helpful. So, goodbye. Thanks, Mackenzie. I love teenage girls so much. Oh, my God. They're smart. Like, the particular They're advice so about... smart. The thing that drives them crazy is when people are like, what a good story you'll have to tell someday, man. Someday. I, I bet I would say that to any high school senior I met, so now I know not to do that. We also got some advice from a senior named India. Hello, my name is India. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. As a senior, I was also supposed to graduate this week. My grandparents were supposed to fly in from the UK, and I'd see them and be out with my friends, just celebrating. 
Instead, like the entirety of the class of 2020, and like you, I'm also stuck at home. My advice to my fellow senior is try your best to fake it till you make it. Honestly, I don't always want to celebrate as well, but my parents, siblings, and grandparents do. They have looked forward to this time, too. So all you and I can do is show up with a smile, knowing that we'll love these photos and memories in, say, 20 years. That's what I've been doing. So start slow. Maybe Zoom a friend just to say hi. Perhaps put your grandparents' banner up for them. It won't ease your disappointment, but it will make them happy. My advice to his mom is could you consider celebrating without celebrating? Maybe have a nice dinner, but don't mention graduation. If your son does try to connect with a friend or celebrate, try not to make a big deal out of it because he doesn't want that. This hasn't been fun for any of us, but still, congratulations. You finished high school, and at the end of the day, that's an accomplishment worth smiling about. You're all thinking of you and your family, and our entire class of 2020 will celebrate together as soon as it's safe. We'll have the best reunions ever. Thank you. Those are going to be some monster reunions that this class has. I am just, can I just say, oh my God, they're going to be ridiculous. Like, one, I, it's it's that time of month, so I'm just a little emotional, so I teared up a little. But, like, teenage girls are, I, I'm really sitting here like, I can't wait till Naeem is a teenager, which is the worst thing anyone has ever said in their life. It makes <laughs> zero sense. But I'm just so, like, overcome by how thoughtful and articulate and kind and reasonable they can be. And then I know that there's a, there's a dark side. I know it. <laughs> I know it well, but wow. That just, I'm sorry. That, that touched my spirit. Like that. Oh. I know. So I also am like recovering from some tears here over just like the compassion towards both like her fellow senior and, yeah. and the mom. I thought, yeah, what thoughtful advice. I'm also recovering from tears about how India agreed with me. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) That is true. Finally, we have some advice from Jackson. Hi, I'm Jackson, and I'm a graduating senior at Niceville High School. Yes, the the people here are nice. Uh, We get that question a lot. But the question for today's podcast, this is a tough situation because it's unprecedented, and a lot of it is a grieving process because no one expected this and so we're not quite sure how to deal with it because it's a new type of grieving process to the the parent who sent in this message i think it's awesome that you're trying to celebrate your son and make sure that he feels celebrated and i think that that's a great thing but i think that it, it also might be coming across as like on his end that you don't fully understand like what he's feeling because I know that that's not your intention at all. Um, but when people are feeling bad like this, I think that trying to cheer them up in certain ways can be good. And in other ways it can, um, the person can feel not heard. The main thing would be to make sure that your son feels like he's heard and that he has some space to grieve so that not only can you and your family celebrate in the way that you guys deserve, but he can join in that celebration as well when he's in a state of mind where he he can actually 
celebrate. That is also extremely good advice from Jackson, who agrees with you guys. Yes. I do think this is a really hard question. I think Jamila's response that you know your child and you know in your heart the right way to handle it is definitely true. And if you decide to push, I trust that you will do it in a way that will not be triggering. If you decide not to push, you can think of it as Elizabeth suggested as a gift that you are giving. And we really want to hear what happens. So please do check back in with us and let us know. And please do not congratulate your son for us because that would obviously anger him. But congratulations to you and your family for all of his accomplishments and yours. Jackson, you're great, too. I gushed over the girls. Also, we have exciting news. The three of us have been replaced as hosts of the show, (laughs) Mackenzie, India, and Jackson. Listeners, if you would like us to weigh in on your problems or questions, please send them our way. Email us at momanddad at slate.com. So let's move on now to our second listener question. Once again, it is being read by the fabulous Shasha Leonard. Okay, this has been a question I have stewed over for at least three years. Should I legally change my child's name? His name is Jack Hunt. If you say it out loud, it sounds like cunt. My last name is not Hunt. It's Williams. I was never married to his dad. His dad has never been in the picture. Back then, I was too docile to object to the name. These days, I'm kind of jealous that his name gets the credit for the amazing kid I made. We picked a new name about a year and a half ago. Lincoln Jack Williams. Got the paperwork ready, but for whatever reasons, I just didn't get around to doing the paperwork. My son is nine now, and we still speak about doing it. I'm on the fence about it because honestly, I don't want a judge to tell me no and have wasted that money. Also, what if he regrets doing it later? Does changing a child's name go on their permanent legal record? Would that make him look bad on paper? Would he be a sketchy nine-year-old fugitive? Okay, so no, it won't. I mean, yes, there is a proverbial permanent record of your child existing that's connected to his social security number and passport, perhaps if he has it, but it's not going to make him look bad on paper. There are lots of people who have name changes and typically the sketchy name changes are completed by adults on behalf of themselves. There are a lot of kids that go through divorce. The family has regretted that. There's just a lot of reasons that people change a child's name early in life. I actually had a legal name change at 17. When I was born, I had my mother's last name. And it's a long story, but I have my father's last name now, which is essentially how it always should have been. We meant to get to it, and then they didn't get to it. And I was getting ready to go off to school, and this was the last opportunity to do it for free because, or for a low cost. Um, I think we only had to pay for Whatever the filing fee is for a minor, it's pretty cheap as opposed to an adult who wants to change their name. So if this is something that your child is going to want to do, you know, at any point, this is the best time to do it because one, he'll be used to this new name. And two, it will likely, depending on where you live, be cheaper. Also, I said Jack Hunt out loud a bunch of times and never landed on cunt. Jack Hunt, Jack Hunt, Jack Hunt. I mean... I guess it's there, but you have to really be working for it, I feel, you know. But I think that the reasons for changing his name are certainly there based on the relationship or lack thereof with his father. And I think it's awesome that you're giving him your last name because you are his parents. And uh, even if his father was to return to the picture for nine years, you have been the solo parent and you absolutely uh 
both deserve to have him honored with your family name. And a judge should have no reason to tell you. I mean, again, I don't know where you live. So I, let me not assume that there aren't laws in certain parts of the country that make this more difficult than they were in Illinois where I had my name changed. I also added a second part to my first name just because it was free. Well, you might as well get your money's worth. For, I got my you know, money's worth. Give yourself so, as many names as possible. Yes. I have two older sisters whose names both start with an A and my dad wanted to give me an A name, but my mother really likes Jamila. And so I added an A name and thought that when I got to college, I was going to go by this new name, which is Asali. And so my first name is Jamila hyphen Asali, even though I almost never used both of them together. For years, my parents couldn't pull it together. They would like use Asali as my middle name. And I was like, no, I still have my old middle name. And so my initials are Jail, J-A-I-L. <laughs> so no one in college called me Asali because I had a bunch of friends from back home. So they were calling me Jamila. So I, it was ridiculous for me to introduce myself by a new name. But people did call me Jail. So to this day, my nickname is Jail. So I did this to myself. Jail Mead Virus. Yes, Jail D Virus, exactly. But Lincoln Jack Williams is a very cool name. I don't know if this is really the name or if you're just using a pseudonym, but it's a very nice name. And I think that you will have absolutely no problem getting this name changed for your son. And no one's going to question it. Just make sure you save a digital copy and a hard copy of the name change paperwork. It's unlikely because he doesn't have like an ID. And again, he may have a passport, but aside from that, he doesn't have a driver's license or a state ID yet. But when he's filling out paperwork, if he ever comes across a situation where he has to present his birth certificate, such as when he is getting a passport, you're definitely going to need the name change paperwork on hand. So just make sure you hold on to it and keep it readily accessible. And it's going to be all good. And you all are going to both be very happy about it. What do you all think? I love all the practical advice. <laughs> yeah, I also really thought like, if the only reason you feel like you shouldn't do this is because the judge might reject it. I just, I don't think there's that much to worry about. I do believe that in a lot of states, you will have to at least notify the father or serve some kind of paperwork on them. So that is something to like, think about and prepare yourself for. Um, but I would think unless the dad like shows up in court and challenges it, that it's really unlikely that the judge is going to say that you shouldn't do this. And it sounds like it's something that you and your son have like talked about and he's on board with too. I mean, of course, that's the other thing is that at nine, making sure that this is something he wants. And it sounds like from the letter it is that, you know, I would think a judge would ask him also, but these all seem like really good reasons. And I, I think we've talked about names before and they're so like they hold like some power. And so if you feel like that was not assigned correctly in the first place, like making you guys a family unit, then I think you should feel free to go and, and have it changed. And yeah, I think don't worry about any kind of record. It's one more piece of paper to kind of keep track of. Sure. But that's not a reason to not do something. You're right, Elizabeth, that in most jurisdictions, you're going to have to reach out to the father. You know, even if that parent is uninvolved, the most judges require not only that you inform the other parent, but that you have consent from the other parent for it to be uncontested for them to just sort of wave it through. If the father, for some reason, really objects to it and wants to make that case in court, then it's up to the judgment of the judge in 99% of cases I've ever heard of, even if the other parent objects, if that parent has not been involved in the child's life, the judge won't give a shit about their objection and will go ahead and say, yes, it's fine to change your name. I would, in making your argument, focus on what I think is the 
I think you guys agree, is the most important part of this decision to name change, which is you wanting the child's name to reflect their relationship with you and your relationship as a family unit, not that their name sounds like cunt, which it really doesn't that much. However, your email did make me wonder if this was actually a prank sent by the same kids who in middle school would always call Pizza Hut to order a pizza for Mike Hunt, which happened all the time. Assuming this is correct, I just don't think that needs to be a keystone of your argument. I don't think that that is convincing or even that important in in the eyes of a judge or really honestly in real life. But I do think that what I bet are the real reasons that you actually want to change this name. I do think those are legitimate and are going to be meaningful to a judge. And it's very unlikely that a judge is going to turn this down. Like kids' names change all the time. As Jamila said, it's often because of adoption or marriage or something else. No one ever bats an eye unless you're like changing your kid's name to Moonflower or XIEA12 or something insane. I think it'll be totally fine. So you should go ahead and do it and say hello uh, and give our love to young Lincoln Jack Williams or whatever his name ends up to be. If you have a question for us, please email us at slate.com. All right, we've reached the point in the show where we all choose some kind of item to recommend to the listeners. I like to call this part of the show recommendations. Elizabeth, what do you have for us? I am recommending an app called Seek, and it's from iNaturalist, and it is free. And it lets you take photos of things in nature and find out what they are. I originally found this because my son with anxiety is like really focused on poisonous spiders. And so this helps us quickly identify spiders. But we've also used it like for every plant in the garden and birds and worms and all kinds of stuff. It identifies it based on like, you know, a bunch of pictures and gives you the name. It doesn't give you a lot of information after that, but that, you know, you can Google it, whatever. But um, they've also released a bunch of like fun little challenges. And so I loaded this on to like an old iPhone that we had that had a camera and I have sent the kids out to like complete a challenge, which is like find two insects, find one arachnid, find this, whatever. And it's great. And learning a little bit about nature, also finding out if what's crawling on you is going to bite you. So love it. Like, Shazam, but for the world. Yeah, for for nature. Yeah. (laughs) I wonder if I could use that app to identify some of my crystals because I have a few that I bought and they got separated from their labels. And, you know, a lot of them look alike. So I've Googled like the basic physical description of them or whatever, but I can't always tell, you know, if it's what it looks like to me. So I have to try it. No idea, but it's free. So you should download it and try it and tell us. And and if not, you should submit to their thing that it should. Yes. No, I will. Crystal (laughs) users need better identifying information on Seek. All right, Jamila, what are you recommending? Okay. So I'm sure some of you all are familiar with Bragg's liquid aminos, which are used uh, by a lot of folks, especially people that (laughs) Jen Dan is laughing (laughs) Why are you laughing, Dan? Because you just told us about how you use these and you were so excited. And I love that you're recommending them now to our listeners. Also, in conjunction with crystals, they really provide a real picture (laughs) of your current mindset. This is this is me. This is who I am. I am from Hyde Park, <laughs> Chicago. I grew up going to the Sunflower Seed and Bonasante health food stores. They were three blocks away from each other and opened when everybody in the neighborhood was a hippie. Only Bonasante remains. I hope that they're doing well at this time. I should see if I can work from them online. But anyway, yes. So um, shout out to kids who grew up eating Tiger's Milk Carob bars and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> when I wasn't eating like Harold's Fried Chicken. 
But um, anyway, so a lot of you all that cook vegetarian dishes or go to vegan restaurants and stuff or buy a lot of your groceries from the health food store are probably familiar with Bragg's liquid aminos, which is a soy protein seasoning that is often used as a soy salt alternative. It's lower in sodium, made from soybeans. Well, there are also coconut aminos, very on trend, I think, with all things coconut being so popular right now. And I found a delicious one by a brand called Coconut Secret. And they have regular coconut aminos, and they also have a coconut aminos garlic sauce, which is a soy-free, they describe it as an Asian-style seasoning sauce. I really hope this is not offensive in some way, but it is so good. And it's made of organic coconut tree sap, organic garlic, sea salt, organic ginger, and organic cayenne pepper. I don't know why the sea salt is not organic. Perhaps that's not a thing that can be achieved, but it's really good. And I used it to make collard greens last night for the very first time in my life. I sauteed collard greens in duck fat. These were Dan called my collard greens bougie. So this is an experience that I never (laughs) could have accounted for or planned for that my white colleague would be calling my collard greens bougie um, or that I would ever make collard greens because I grew up hating them. And so I came across some good ones not too long ago and decided that I would try to make them myself. And these were pretty great. Thanks to these coconut liquid aminos. Love it. Coconut liquid aminos, garlic sauce. That is a great recommendation. Thank you. Also, I would really like to eat some collard greens right now. I am recommending a podcast, not for families or for kids particularly this is pretty much mostly for adults but i think it's really great and i love it and i think that many of our listeners would like it too it's one of my favorite podcasts in the world it's called you must remember this uh, it's by a woman named karina longworth it's a hollywood history podcast she's done amazing seasons in the past on the manson murders on the blacklist on howard hughes and on song of the south And her new season is debuting this month, and it's a little bit different. It's an entire season about a single film executive and producer whom you maybe have never heard of, but who was responsible for some of the best movies of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Her name was Polly Platt. Without her, we would not have had Broadcast News, The Last Picture Show, Terms of Endearment, Say Anything, Bottle Rocket, even The Simpsons, in a surprising way, owe their existence to Polly Platt. She was a really unique figure. I love that Karina is spending an entire season of her podcast just on her life and career and on her work. Karina is very smart about the industry, about art and commerce, about women in the entertainment world. And I'm really looking forward to this season of the podcast. I think you guys will like it, too. It's called You Must Remember This. And that is our show. One more time, if you have a question, please email us at slate.com. Please join us on Facebook. You can just search for Slate Parenting. Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson, Jamila Lemieux, and Elizabeth Newcamp. I'm Dan Coyce. Please join us next week with our new co-hosts, Mackenzie, India, and Jackson. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon.